You know, when I started in the transportation industry, it was all about you had to come in and learn your way up, right? It didn't matter about the credentials, your education. It was you had to start at the bottom and earn your way to get to a leadership role. So I started out as a driver and and uh, I held my CDL till not a few years ago. Actually, I gave up my CDL. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. In depth this week with my friend, Laura Hendricks, who is CEO of TransDev North America, the largest contractor for public transportation in North America, and I believe the world, Laura. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Paul. I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. Thank you for doing this from the West Coast. I know it's early your time and you're on the road all the time, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I think in order to be effective as a CEO uh, in any industry, quite frankly, uh, we have to stay close to the service that we're providing, and that's being involved in understanding from our frontline team members how they're delivering the service, what we can be doing different and better. My job as a CEO of TransDev is to ensure that I provide the resources to our teams uh, to deliver the best service possible to communities that we serve. So I spend most of my time out with our field as team members, our clients, board to understand how well we're doing and what we can be doing different and better to provide the best service possible. So I'm on the West Coast today. And uh, and again, I appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. Recently, we were both in Barcelona, Spain for the UITP conference. And Terry, uh, Thierry Mallet, who is the CEO of the International, was singing your praises. I was at an event you all were doing up. I forget the name of the building, but it was a pretty cool building. We had like a wine and cheese reception and uh, was all about Laura Hendricks. So congratulations. You you seem to be uh, doing a great job in the international company, which is TransDev. Why don't you tell us some about TransDev? I think people in the industry generally know, but maybe not all, maybe not the details. Tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah. So TransDev, obviously, we're a global company. We operate in over uh, almost 22 countries. For us, it's truly about our purpose. And, and in a lot of companies, we have a purpose or a mission and for us at TransDev, all the way up from our frontline team members to our shareholders, it is about the TransDev purpose, right? We want to empower the freedom to move every day, providing safe, reliable, and innovative solutions to serve the common good. And again, when we believe in that with a passion as we do globally, uh, it helps us deliver the best mobility solutions to provide those people with individuals with access to whatever they need, whether it be schools, education, shopping, groceries, medical attention, entertainment. We really believe in the purpose that we serve and and who we are at TransDev. So I'm excited to be part and uh, feel very fortunate to be part of the global leader in mobility solutions around the world and driven by a purpose. And uh, that's what makes me excited every day is the purpose that we serve. And TransDev uh, is a great leader in demonstrating that. It's awesome. For full disclosure, I used to work for uh, a predecessor company to TransDev when they when they were uh, Connex and they came to the U.S. I forget how many years ago, but I worked with a company in Baltimore that was uh, acquired and um, left shortly thereafter. But I've seen the amazing growth of this company you know, here in here in uh, North America and beyond. Contracting is a tool, uh, Laura, that is being utilized around the world. You and I were just talking prior to this in the green room. I just got back from a trip to Brazil where 100% of the bus service is, contra- is not, not just contracted, but it's operated by contractors completely. Uh, the government of Brazil has realized that you know private operators 
bring all kinds of benefits. Talk to us about that, about contracting in general and the value and benefits of, you know, there are some value and benefits. Obviously, I used to run an agency, Baltimore. We had our own bus drivers, but we also contracted out when we thought it made sense. So tell us about that. Yeah, when you think about what we can do as the private side and the contractors, and again, if you look around the world, what what we do at TransDev and some of our other uh, competitors, you know, we do bring a, a broader perspective where an agency is is driven by the services that they provide as the public entity to their communities, which is very vital and in a good partnership. When you come into the private contracting, we can take the global expertise that we at TransDev have and bring that to our communities and markets, right? So the speed, the market, the the uh, adaptation of the constant change that we see going on today, post-COVID around the world, not just the U.S., I think it allows the agencies to rely on our expertise to help them understand how to maximize and be fiscally responsible, actually, to the communities that they serve. And so with the private contracting, it allows them to provide those services. And if you look at the trends as we see today, you know, it's just not the metropolitan areas. We need to be better at allowing everyone to have equal access to these uh, services that are provided. And with the private contractors and our expertise and knowledge, we can help design and deliver the best mobility solution possible at the most fiscally responsible to all of our communities, which I think is important for all of us to recognize. Absolutely, especially in this era where the uh, the, the common vernacular now, uh, a word has come into our vernacular, which is fiscal cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were talking about it in other countries, too, in Brazil and other countries where basically during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of extra money coming from the national governments of countries around the world, but that has dried up now. They're not going to do that anyway. The pandemic's over. It's been over for like a year or so in most countries. And uh, and so ridership, though, is still not back. And so public transit uh, authorities, PTAs, as they're known around the world, are looking for solutions. And one of the solutions uh, that is cost efficient is contractors. But you mentioned, so talk about that for a little bit. And then I want to talk about some of the things like autonomous vehicles, zero emission buses, equity inclusion, the things that contractors can bring to the scene. Yeah, absolutely. So again, when you think about it in, in the fiscal cliff that some many of the PTAs talk about today in the future years, outlying years, and how to overcome that, we were fortunate here in the U.S. and as many countries were around the world to have our government support and funding during COVID. And we saw unprecedented funding, right, to get us through this, this period of time. But now that you look at it, if we don't find the best solution to get ridership back, and, and design the networks that are truly meeting the needs of our communities, both metropolitan as well, as well as the rural areas to provide that equal access. I think that's when we hear people talk about the fiscal cliff and how do we uh, prepare for that? Or more importantly, how do we overcome it? You know, it's always about the anticipation and having uh, the vision to see what's coming up on us and then making sure that we adapt the right solution to ensure that we don't have service reductions because that's not going to be the answer in order to meet the fiscal cliffs that are ahead of us. We've got to look at the design. And I think we as private operators and contractors partnering with the PTAs can be a viable solution to ensure that the services that the communities expect and deserve continue in a fiscally responsible way with innovative solutions that we need to take a look at for the future state of, of public transit here in the U.S. As, as well as around the world. Yeah. And let's talk about some of those innovative solutions. Terry is very big on you know, zero emission vehicles globally for your company. I think you're the, you may have more zero emission vehicles than anybody else in the world. Or talk to us about 
um, that, you know, that these are some of the hot trends happening right now. Autonomous, zero emission, those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. So zero emissions, I think, is one of the the most, uh, you know, hottest trend right now. If you talk about trends in the industry, obviously zero emissions, alternative fuel sources. And at TransDraft, today we operate the largest zero emission fleet, over 2,500 vehicles around the world. And by the end of 2023, we'll operate or own or operate over 3,000. So I think we have that technology. And I think if you look at that trend, you know, understanding again, the the different innovation technologies that are available because it's not a one size fits all in any of our markets. TransDev just partnered with in Bogota to launch uh, April a year ago, uh, over 400 electric vehicles at one time, right? To service and it's going very well. And we partnered with manufacturers on how to manufacture the vehicle with the right battery to ensure that the delivery of the product that's going to provide this service was going to meet the the needs and it went very well. So we also have a program that's called Take Charge that we developed in, as a concrete example in the Netherlands, which was one of the first countries on electrification and zero emissions uh, well before most of us were thinking about it here in the U.S. at least. And when you think about that, this technology that we developed, it allows our dispatchers, our, our road supervisors, and our management teams to anticipate any potential problems because we watch the, the charge on every vehicle and every route in real time. And what we've learned by that is a lot of it has to do with how well we train operators on, on operating the vehicle on electric that has, you know, controls the usage of the battery and then monitor that. So our take charge program that we've developed with our partners in uh, Netherlands is a very good tool that we can develop here or uh, implement throughout the U.S. as well to maximize that investment and ensure that we're getting the best use of that asset and fully uh, the charge itself on the electrification. And then looking also at the other alternative fuel sources, whether it be hydrogen, uh, biogas, and what's going to be the best combination for the market that we're trying to serve. Yeah, you mentioned hydrogen, Laura, and uh, I know that you recently hired one of your chief operating officers, a good friend of mine, Lauren Skyver. She was CEO of Sunline Transit in Southern California and really one of the leaders, the pioneers of this new zero emission technology. She built her own hydrogen plant in Southern California and was using it uh, to power her vehicle, selling it onto the market built a center of excellence, uh, West Coast Center of Excellence to train people. That's the kind of expertise that contractors can bring to bear, right? I just had David Kim on the show. David's the former Secretary of Transportation of California. And the title of that episode was Electric Buses, It's Not Plug and Play. It's not like you can just buy 20 buses and plug them into the outlet. There's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of planning, like you were just talking about. Once you implement them, how to manage the fleet. Is that the kind of things that contractors with international experience can help PTAs with? Absolutely. I think, again, with when you look at TransDev experience of operating the largest, uh, you know, zero emissions fleets around the world, that is the expertise globally that we can bring. And obviously, uh, the selection, uh, we're very fortunate to have Lauren Skyver, as you mentioned, on our, on our team. I'm excited to have her on our team. And she is very innovative. Obviously, she has uh, over 20 years, 25 years of experience in the industry. And I think what she's done on the innovation side is the hydrogen fuel and looking for the alternative fuel sources. She has a wealth of expertise that can help us as a private operator help all other public transit authorities, right? So, and that's our goal to make sure that we have the right talent and the right people and the right expertise to then help all of our clients in the communities that we serve 
implement the best solutions for our market in the most fiscally responsible way without sacrificing the services that our communities expect and deserve. So Lauren has been a tremendous asset to our team, and uh, we're excited to have her on board here at TransDev. One of the other big hot trends right now, Laura, as you know, is autonomous vehicles. And TransDev is right in the middle of that through its Google Waymo operations. Uh, I know um, you guys have experience elsewhere, too. Tell us about that trend. What is happening right now? Autonomous vehicles, these kind of small 10, 11, 12 passenger vehicles and also cars um, are not the fit everywhere. And it's not going to replace the 40 foot bus anytime soon. But where do they fit and where does TransDev operate them? Where do you see the future going? Yeah, when you look at uh, our, obviously our largest partnership is with uh, our client Waymo. And I think they have the most advanced technology around the world, quite frankly. Uh, and what they've been able to do to provide a safe mode of transportation is is pretty uh, remarkable. You know, I oftentimes, anytime I'm in the Phoenix or now San Francisco and soon to be LA and Austin markets, uh, I certainly use that form of transportation and it can connect you to the public transportation system. So it's not replacing the public transit, but it allows the multimodal, especially with the expansion recently of the, the Phoenix market itself and some of the outlying areas where, you know, microtransit is applicable. But now you have an opportunity to use the autonomous vehicle and then connect you to the public transit services that are that are offered. So I do see that as an opportunity uh, and other partnerships. Right. So I think the, the key will be how to take the technology platform, such as what a Waymo has developed because it is the safest mode in my personal experience in writing uh, where a human would have hesitated in some of the situations, but this, this vehicle and, and uh, the technology is there for, you know, safety first. And I was very impressed both in all the markets that I've ridden in with our, our Waymo partner. But when you think about that, it's taken that type of technology and then finding the right vehicle to install. And that's the key that I think is yet to be solved. And, and there's a lot of people around the world, bands such as Waymo, and then putting that into the right vehicle. Obviously, uh, you know, we're, the autonomous buses are a future state. I think they were piloting one in, in Connecticut. But if you look to the smaller vehicles that can provide the right mode and the right size of vehicle with that technology, that will be the future state. And I think we'll get there sooner than later uh, with many partners today trying to demonstrate what they can do. So if you can tell me this, this would be interesting. So if I'm in Phoenix right now and I want to try a Google Waymo vehicle, how do I do it? Is there an app or how does it work yeah. for the general public? So I would encourage anyone to uh, download the Waymo One app. It's called Waymo One app. Okay. And when you download the app, it's just like if anyone's familiar with the uh, Uber or Lyft, you can right. go on and schedule your car and it'll tell you you can track it real time. Uh, you know, your car will show up, it'll identify you with your phone and uh, you'll get in and you can uh, take a ride anywhere that you would choose to do so within the Phoenix uh, market up into some of the, the suburb markets now as well with the recent expansion. And and we've opened it up recently. Uh, our Waymo partners opened up in San Francisco as well. So uh, I would encourage people to download the Waymo app, the Waymo One app, and uh, and use that when you're in uh, Phoenix, San Francisco, soon to be LA and Austin. And when a vehicle comes, is there somebody in it? Is there like a safety concierge or is it completely autonomous? It's completely autonomous. Completely wow. autonomous. It's called rider only. It's a completely a Waymo vehicle. And uh, and it's uh, quite impressive. And and I tell you, it's the safety is the most uh, advanced that I've seen. So we, yeah. we like safe transportation. 
Uh, I don't think until you've experienced people recognize the technologies that's available to create moving uh, people from point to point safely as this technology that our partner Waymo has developed. Jetsons, here we come, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's it's fascinating. I think the autonomous trend, uh, as you know, um, they're doing it in cities like Dubai. I just, you know, was just there last year, talked with uh, the head of Dubai Transit, and they, same kind of thing. They're going to do taxi cabs. Uh, people are calling them robo-taxis, you know, robo-taxi, kind of following uh, the movies or whatever. But yeah, where there won't be anybody in, I mean, I think within two or three years, it may not be ubiquitous, but it'll be at a lot of places. One of the big uh, news items that TransDev uh, was in the headlines for this last year was your acquisition of one of the largest companies in America that does contracting, and that is First Transit. Uh, tell us about that acquisition, kind of when it occurred, and what you all are doing now in the third quarter of uh, of 2023 with them. Yeah, so we're excited to be able to have the opportunity to acquire such a great brand as First Transit. Uh, you know, where the people uh, are very similar culture of what we have at TransDev. So that integration of the cultures is going on target and well. So we closed on the deal on March 6th. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're if you think about where we're at, it's just a few months into this. Uh, and again, we're excited about the opportunity because it gives us some great talent, first and foremost, uh, with the leadership teams and the team members that we came on board as conveyed employees through the acquisition. And in addition to that, it expanded our footprint, both geographically as well as services. So there are some services that First Transit offered complementary to ours. So while we have uh, a unique footprint of the largest fixed route operator in the U.S. and is around the globe, they also brought uh, fleet vehicle services that, you know, dedicated to other public agencies like police, fire, ambulance, that here in the U.S., we did not have that market. So it brings us an, a great group of talent and it, it brings us an expanded geographical footprint as well as different segments and services that we can provide our communities. So it's very complementary to what we're trying to do to be the, the mobility solutions. You know, as I always say to the teams here, Paul, you know, we're not looking to be bigger. We want to be better before we be bigger, right? So it's more important to provide the best service possible to communities. But this combination of these great two brands coming together under TransDev now today, we're very excited about the opportunity and it's going well. So... One of the complimentary services that you provide that maybe the average person doesn't realize, they're like, well, you know, I uh, I don't ride public transit in the city, so I'm not a TransDev customer. Well, you might be and you don't know it. Uh, uh, you know, I ride, I fly a lot and I go to BWI Airport and the shuttles from the parking lots are operated by, used to be First Transit, now they're TransDev and they're operated yeah. by them. And one of the great improvements I've seen between you and I and the listeners in the last three or four months is I can finally see up on the screen a working map where the buses are. So I can see when they're going to come. You know, I ride daily shuttle. And so a TransDev bus comes. And uh, in the past, those screens, I don't know if it had anything to do with TransDev, but if it did, thank you. <laughs> they didn't work. And I could never see when the next bus was coming. Now they do. And okay. so if you're riding shuttle buses or what are the other kind of things that that contractors do? Yeah, you know, so you think about it. I mentioned the fleet vehicle services that uh, segment of the business, but as you mentioned, the B2B side. So whether it be airport shuttles, and again, not here just in the U.S., this acquisition, we operate airport shuttles around the world as well for TransDev. Uh, so we have that expertise, but airport shuttles, the B2B uh, universities is another big segment 
that FIRST Transit had a much broader footprint. We had a few universities in our transdev footprint, but it was a bigger segment and a bigger footprint geographically and the number of university shuttles that they offer. So that's another segment that is complementary to what we do. So when you think about that, uh, it truly is complementary. Uh, they had a, a larger footprint in para. We had paratransit. We had the larger experience and the fixed route structure. So it, it's very complementary, both geographically as well as services provided, and allows us to take that expertise then and really partner with uh, the FTA, Noria and her team, or partner with Paul Scatellis and APTA to see how we as TransDev with the geographical expansion and footprint that we have tonight, how can we partner with those type of agencies to help us help the communities and all the public transit authorities with our global expertise. So we're excited about the opportunity uh, that's been presented to us. And we're excited about all the leadership and team members that have come on board from First Transit and joined the TransDev team. You know, you mentioned uh, FTA. Let's segue to that now. So during the pandemic, when uh, it first hit in March um, a couple of years ago, uh, one of the big concerns was ridership dropped dramatically. A paratransit dropped dramatically. Fixed route and especially commuter bus and commuter train dropped almost off the map. Nine, you know, I used to run the Mark train service into Washington D.C. and they lost ninety-five percent of their passengers because the, you know, government mandated shutdowns and people couldn't go to the uh, what I call the big tall shiny buildings downtown anymore. Contractors such as Transdev and other contractors uh, were stepping up in a big way to help public transit agencies meet the needs of the communities. Uh, and the the six big contractors at the time formed an industry association, kind of like an airline association, to use that analogy again, where they're strong competitors, but they're, you know, at the federal level, there uh, they're needed to be coordination of their efforts with the federal government of the industry as a whole. And so uh, TransDev, First Transit, MV, Keolis, National Express, and RATP Dev, the CEOs of those industries, of those companies, formed an industry association called the North American Transit Alliance, or NADA. And uh, I came on board as the executive director, and you were the chairperson this year. Tell us about NADA and the activities of the association. Yeah, I think, as Paul, as you described, I think it's the, the six largest private operators here in the U.S. coming together in the uh, North America Transit Association to, to ensure that we understand and we uh, help uh, with our APTA partners and everyone else and, and work in really a good collaborative way with the FTA to ensure that the policies and the funding that's necessary to make public transit sustainable is important. So we spend time working on uh, support of you know, workforce development. That's very important, right? We spend time understanding how to make sure that we have uh, the, the proper funding from all of the government agencies that we interact and deal with making sure that the policies are supportive and the best interest of providing the community the best service, right? This isn't all about the private operators. We're here to make a service to our communities, right? In partnerships with all of our PTAs and the FTA and APTA. So the collaborative effort that NADA has brought for the private operators to work and that uh, efforts to help shore that in policies, funding, and the essential things that are needed to make public transit and mobility solutions sustainable is what the role that NADA has taken on. And I think that what we've done in partnerships with the other uh, partners such as APTA has really helped continue to, to get what we need from the government support. And I think the government under the FTA of Noria and our uh, leadership today 
has been very supportive and very willing to partner with us to help make sure that we are putting right systems processes in place to make mobility solutions in a fair and equitable way to all individuals within the U.S. One of the other things uh, under your leadership and and also under Brad Thomas prior to you, as who's uh, chair of our group, that we've seen is that we're focused on people. And one of the ways we want we want to do is we want to uh, use our platform as an association to promote equity and inclusion in the community and leadership roles for people of color, people who may have traditionally been marginalized. And so we do a scholarship every year. Uh, we work with COMTO, the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials, Latinos in Transit, LIT, and also WTS, the Women Transportation Seminar, $2,500 scholarships. Uh, that they choose, uh, but we provide the funding for the scholarship to promote people to kind of grow their education so they can move up in the industry. Uh, talk to us about the importance, not only with NADA, but also at Transstaff, because you are basically a women-led business now with the CEO and the two COOs uh, being women. So talk to us about the importance of equity and inclusion in what has traditionally been a male-run industry. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, there's nothing more important, Paul. And it's, I mean, and I sincerely believe that, you know, if I look at over my career, my history, and the fortunate uh, how I started out my career at FedEx, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion was important back then, right? I went to training on diversity, equity, inclusion in the 1980s uh, under the Fed, you know, Fred Smith's leadership and trying to get a more uh, diverse, including females, into transportation, which was traditionally a, a male-dominated industry, right? And so when you think about how it, it affects us at NADA as well as in TransDev, it is important, right? I mean, everybody deserves that opportunity. And I think when they can see role models like we have at TransDev, myself, my chief, two chief operating officers, it gives people that the opportunity that, you know what, I can do, I can get there, right? And, you know, and I tell all of our team members, as I said earlier, when we started this broadcast about how much time I spent out in the field, uh, you know, when I started in, in the transportation industry, it was all about, you know, you had to come in and learn your way up, right? It, it didn't matter about the credentials, your education. It was, you had to start at the bottom and, and earn your way to get to a leadership role which was fine. It, it, you never forgot where you came from, right? So I started out as a driver and and uh, I held my CDL till not a few years ago, actually. I gave up my CDL. I soon realized that I wasn't driving and using it anymore. So I didn't have to <laughs> keep it. But You're not going to have to I, jump I, behind I, the wheel, huh? Yeah. You know, I, now I sort of regret giving that up when we met this labor sh challenge, but yeah. uh, but I had my CDL. So I think it's important that all of our team members uh, throughout the U.S. at Transdev and around the globe, you can be anything you want to be at this company, right? We have That's the wonderful. training and development platforms to help you be the best that you can be. And I think if you have the willingness and desire, you know, to become more than what you are today, whatever role that you have, and every role is important and essential to us at Transdev, uh, you have that opportunity as I demonstrate that today in this fortunate and blessed position I am as a CEO of Transdev to serve over 30,000 team members throughout the U.S. That's amazing. And I wanted to mention Susan Sweat, your other CEO. Well, we didn't say her name, but I want to give her a shout out. Does a great job on the operations side as well. You mentioned a little bit about your background. We only have a couple minutes left, but I would like you to share with us. You have a very inspirational background, Laura. Uh, talk to us about how you ended up in this position and the, the road, the path you you had to get there. Yeah, again, as I mentioned, I was uh, started off my career early on and uh, with FedEx, and uh, that was when you know we were there was only thirty five thousand employees, and uh, you know a fast pace growth uh, transportation solution service provider, right? So when you think about 
how that led me to here. And all of my careers, you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed. And I want to think of it as transportation, logistics, and what we do today. But when it comes down to it, it's been a service industry. And when you're providing a service, it's all about people. And growing up under Mr. Smith's leadership at FedEx, it was a very people-centric, right? Service-centric, uh, you know, service at 99.9 was was not, was, you know, the enemy of excellence, he used to tell us, right? So <laughs> it was all about, you know, doing whatever it takes. It was in, wasn't reasons or failures in transportation, you know, things happen. You have flat tires. That's not the issue. The issue is you didn't have a contingency plan, as he once taught me early on. So being able to make sure that you can adapt in real time and do whatever it takes to provide that safe delivery of the service that you're providing is critical. So in my career, after almost 17 years at FedEx and, and growing up in an organization that was people development, that was about diversity, equity, inclusion, that was about always doing the right thing and delivering the service, right? We, we had a money back guarantee. So we stood by whatever it was. And you do whatever it takes to do that. Constant change. And change is inevitable. If you weren't changing, you were dying. So with that and the skill set that I developed in that environment helped me be successful as I transitioned my career to a great company, CentOS, again, a service provider. I spent some time in, uh, you know, as a CEO of Coach America in this industry before. Uh, so I was familiar with the transit industry. And then what led me back here is I look at, and to finish out my career, you know, I, I really want to have my children and my grandchildren that I have know that their Nana uh, made a difference. And, and in public transit and the industry that we are as transitive as a leader, you truly get to make a difference in the lives of others. So that will be the legacy that I hope that my children look to and my grandchildren and say that she left a legacy and made a difference in the lives of others by being a leader of a great organization and serving people who provide that critical services to our communities every day, each and every day. Yeah. It warms your heart, doesn't it, to know that, you know, especially in a position like you have, millions of people every day, you're making a difference in their lives. Let's take a look forward in our last question and give us, you know, your your view of where you think public transportation, contracting, et cetera, is going over the next three to five years here in North America. You know, I really think that uh, with the continued partnership and the recent opportunity that the First Transit Acquisition provided TransDev is that how we partner and bring better solutions to the communities for our PTAs, right? Whether it be the alternative fuel sources with the expertise that we have globally and here in the U.S. Uh, under Lauren Skyver is on point for that for us. I think that we are in a great position to truly make a difference and adapt to the future changes that are ahead, right? We always want to skate to where the puck's going to be, not to where it's at. There and you when go. you think about that, we need to look to the future. And again, it's not going to be the same solution for every market that we're in when it comes to alternative fuels. But when you look at what we're dealing with today in the climate change and thinking about the realities here, and so what do we need to do? And we also have to look at not cutting back service, but structuring and designing the networks in the service with the right size of the asset, asset utilization to be fiscally responsible for all of our for the government and the communities that contribute to that. And then making sure that we have the right asset in the right place, right? To provide the service to the people who need it and deserve it and attract everybody to public transit, similar to what we do around the world and, and Europe. It's, uh, you know, we've got to get people out of cars. The congestion on the highways 
post-COVID is like I've never seen before, right? Yeah. My travels. I mean, you used to have some high peak times, peak travel times. Now it's like all day, the congestion. Right. So we have to build the infrastructure and we have to get people into public transit for the ease of themselves, right? For the safe, reliable, innovative solutions that we talk about, because it is the solution to be able to move people and provide mobility solutions that today, uh, you know, the highways are more congested than ever. And, and we are an answer to that in public transit. Absolutely. I hope you guys can bring some more BRT here with your expertise in Bogota, et cetera, because rail takes a long time to build. I love rail, but BRT, bus rapid transit, can be implemented so much quicker and get people down those lanes. I got to see some of that in Latin America again in my recent visit. I know you guys are one of the world's leading experts in that. I think it's a great vision you've got for the future. and, uh, And I look forward to continue to work with you to help implement that and through the work of NADA, but also through the work that we're both working on in the transit industry. Basically, I love the fact that you're purpose-driven. Well, I I appreciate it and uh, happy to be here, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity to join you today and look forward to our continued partnership. Absolutely. Laura Hendricks, CEO of TransDev North America. Thanks for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Best wishes as you continue to move the world in your role. Thank you. Hi, this is Mike Bismar, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about mentorship, leadership, and guidance with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Great to hear Laura's passion and story this week. Purpose and people, I love the theme. This week, I also had the privilege of catching up with Carrie Houghton McDonald, General Manager out at Edmonton Transit Services, and this year's agency host of the Cuta Fall Conference and Young Leaders Summit. We chatted about mentorship specifically. Carrie and her team are big supporters of sharing with peers, helping those grow, and in fact, big sponsors of this year's YLS Summit. The impact and passion about mentorship was evident. When I started talking to Carrie and asked what mentorship meant to her, she was quick to reply, gratefulness, encouragement, inspiration, and confidence. Great themes that we always talk about. Mentorship has played a big role in Carrie's career, and she talked about the many different mentors she's had with very different skill sets. However, they all provided encouragement, helped her evolve her problem-solving skill set, and helped her deal with obstacles, giving her the courage to take risks. ETS has also been a long provider and leader of innovative technology and opening their doors to peers, providing tours, sharing their learnings, and with Carrie mentioning that it's important to peel back the curtain to make sure the community knows how to grow with the transit agency and that they are all proud of what they're doing for one another. Ending the chat, I asked Carrie what advice she would have for future leaders in our industry. And she said, for those working and looking at transit, the same themes resonated with her. Be open-minded, seek opportunity, and my favorite comment, be prepared to zigzag. There are so many opportunities within transit, both vertically within the agency and outside of the roles you may have originally joined for. Also, you have the opportunity to move globally with the skill set. Carrie's a great leader, and I'm always inspired talking to her and cannot wait to attend the CUTA fall session this year and see the technical tours that Edmonton offers up. Have a great day. Kindness is cool. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our special guest, Laura Hendricks, head of TransDev US. And next week on the show, we have a very special panel discussion. Paul and I will be talking about AI in transit with Eve McCall from Microsoft and Renee Autumn Ray from Hayden AI. And next week, you'll learn what the current research is all about what's in development, and where the future lies. While you're listening to Transit Unplugged, wherever you get your podcasts, could you do us a favor and rate and review the show? Rating and reviewing Transit Unplugged lets other people 
find Transit Unplugged and be part of our transit enthusiast community. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. At Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.